Hey, so if you are a listener of Across the Movie Hall, you know that we do uh, these bonus episodes on uh, Fridays. They are for paying members of the Bulwark Plus. You know, it's how we keep the lights on here. Um, so if you enjoy the show, you want to help uh, keep it sustainable, and uh, if you if you just want more Sonny Peter and Alyssa in your life, uh, listen, listen to this, sign up. Uh, again, bonus episodes every Friday. They usually drop Friday mornings, uh, depending on when I get the edited files and all that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. We like to we like to do little little discussions and talk about the the state of movies and what we like and what we don't like and all that. Uh, so I hope you check it out. Uh, and if you have not yet become a member, please do. Welcome back to Across the Movie Hour, presented by Bulwark Plus. I'm your host, Sonny Bunch, culture editor of The Bulwark. I'm joined, as always, by Alyssa Rosenberg of The Washington Post and Peter Suderman of Reason Magazine. Alyssa, Peter, how are you today? Peachy keen. I am so happy to be talking about the cable business model or streaming or ads or You something. wanted to talk Movies. about this, Peter. Don't. Whatever, don't it is, uh, whatever it is that we're going to talk about with my friends. Don't muddy the waters. All right. Uh, do you guys want to hear my hottest take? You want to hear me get real hot? I guess we're going to. Is it going to melt our mics? Like, what? I, I, yeah. The cable bundle was good, actually. Everyone hates cable. Everyone hates the cable bundle. They're paying for too many channels they never watch. And they're subsidizing shows they don't care about. This is a Fox News house, not an MSNBC house, damn it. But, look, you know, fine, whatever. But the reality is that this was a really great system that allowed an enormous variety of channels to create an abundance of shows via the safety net that came with the so-called affiliate fees, the dollar or two generally, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more, um, that was paid to a network for the right to package that channel with other channels, right? So this is how uh, a a terrible movie rerun channel like AMC could create Mad Men and Breaking Bad, arguably the two greatest shows of the golden age of television, uh, or a rerun channel like F could create The Shield, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's how your reality TV home improvement shows could flourish, uh, and why people had access to local sports teams on regional sports networks. I tried to tell people for years, for years, that unbundling would mostly just lead to people spending roughly the same amount of money, maybe, I don't know, 10 or 20 bucks a month less, maybe 10 or 20 bucks a month more, um, but you're going to end up spending roughly the same amount of money for less stuff. And sure enough, once you start adding up the amount of money you're spending on Disney Plus and HBO Max, which is now just Max, Paramount Plus. Uh, oh, yeah, if you want ESPN proper, not ESPN Plus, that's going to be another 20 or 30 bucks here in a couple year or two. I don't maybe. Uh, then you got Prime Video and Apple TV Plus, and I'm forgetting one. I'm forgetting one. It's a big one. All right, that's right. Netflix, which has become somehow the most expensive and least essential streamer. What are people supposed to do? The answer may lie with the so-called fast channels, the free ad-supported streamers. The other networks are all adding ad-based tiers too, sometimes for a discount, sometimes merely to maintain the same cost. There's nothing like getting a worse deal for the same amount of money. You got to love it. Hooray for unbundling. So what are we going to end up with, right? We're going to end up with a bundle of channels that offers you less and is supported by ads that still ends up running you 50 to 70 bucks a month, depending on what you want to subscribe to at any given time. Oh, and by the way, you also have to vigilantly manage what exactly you're paying for and how long, because, you know, you don't want to sign up for a network and then not watch anything on it. You want to get all the... This this unbundled future is so great and so convenient. I love it. Uh, Peter... Am I being too negative a Nancy in this little uh, ramble slash rant? 
A little bit. I think the the thing about the cable bundle that you forget is how little choice there was until relatively recently, basically until streamers came along and started forcing cable companies to offer more options. And so especially in the 1990s and through the early aughts, there was basically you you bought a package and then you had a couple of add-ons, which were which could be quite expensive. And then you didn't watch most of the channels. Now that, you know, uh, resulted in some sort of stupid political controversies uh, rel- related a little bit to the way we talked about um, the sort of misunderstanding of business and culture war issues on our previous episode this week, uh, where, you know, the Bush administration spent a bunch of time arguing for mandatory government-driven unbundling of the case business, and it did end up kind of unbundling itself, uh, right? And, and this is the thing that I think that people underrate about the current regime is that, yes, it is somewhat annoying to subscribe to a bunch of different streamers and to all of these different things. Yes, it is, uh, like, the, in some ways, it can be frustrating to keep track of all of that. On the other hand, there's both more stuff in terms of more programming. There's just far more scripted programming now than there ever was, but also far more other types of programming. And even if we cut back from, say, the 500 plus scripted shows down to 400, you know, scripted shows each year, like that's going to be a huge overall increase versus the 1990s or the mid aughts. Um, but the other thing is people now can pick which bundle they want and and build that bundle themselves in a way that they simply could not in, you know, 1995 or 2005. And that's a big difference. And then you combine that with with the other thing that's been a big boon for, I think, for consumers, which is watch on demand. And this just like makes a huge difference in your in people's ability, you know, sort of how people experience shows, because what it means is that you can assume as a creator and as a viewer that you can see every episode of a television show. And certainly through the mid-1990s, it was just assumed by writers, by producers, by the by networks, and by viewers themselves that even super fans would miss several episodes per season. And then, yeah, we had, you know, the programmable VCRs and, and uh, you know, and, and, and TiVo and stuff like that. But those were at first hard to use and TiVo was a little bit obscure, but now it's just, it's dead easy and everyone can do it. And the ability to, to watch what you want when you want to watch it has really changed both the the way that people engage with television as viewers and the way that creators write, because they can now assume that if it's on Netflix, if it's on HBO, if it's on any of these streamers at some point, then then people will experience them those shows, they will watch every episode in order, like the way that the creator intended. And that's just, that's a revolution. It's good for everyone. Okay, that's it for this preview. If you want to listen to the rest of this episode, you got to go sign up at Bulwark Plus. It's atma.thebulwark.com. Episodes right there. You'll be able to listen to it immediately as soon as you become a paid member. That's how we, again, keep the lights on here. So check it out. I I hope you give it a listen. Thanks.